If you're a pastor or church leader, I'm sure at times it can feel overwhelming to see the amount of people in your congregation who are walking through pain and crisis right now. I wish it weren't true, but the common denominator of life is pain. And as a pastor myself, I know firsthand that another unfortunate common denominator is that pain tends to derail people in your congregation from moving with you on mission and purpose. The enemy's tactics have always been to neutralize our God-given purpose within the local church, and he frequently uses tragedy and trauma to do it. If you're like most pastors, you probably feel like you don't have the resources, staffing, bandwidth, or curriculum to address all the pain points in your church, which is why we want to bring the Pain to Purpose course to your local congregation. We developed this course as a pathway to come alongside you, help people heal inside the context of their own spiritual community, and release them back on mission within your local church. When my late wife Amanda was murdered in 2015, I wish someone had laid out a pathway that was this clear to help me and the members of our congregation move from pain to purpose. After tens of thousands of dollars spent on counseling for me and my staff, hundreds of hours of interviewing others who have walked through pain on this podcast, and dozens of hours of reading and researching everything I could get my hands on, we've finally created that pathway. And we'd love to come alongside you to bring it to your congregation in a way that's extremely affordable. If you're interested in finding out more about the Pain to Purpose course, head over to mypaintopurposeplan.com slash churches. I truly believe and have witnessed it firsthand that what the enemy means for evil, God wants to use to catalyze a renewed and even stronger sense of purpose within the members of your congregation. So again, if you'd like us to partner with you to make that happen, head over to mypaintopurposeplan.com slash churches. That's mypaintopurposeplan.com slash churches. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host and joining me, Aubrey, our co-host. Aubrey, this Hello. is part two of our conversation with Stephen Aaron Ulmer. Oh, I love Stephen Aaron Ulmer. I love this story. I love this conversation. I know. And this part two is definitely not going to disappoint you. You're going to get to see how God begins to weave a powerful mm. redemptive story in the, the narrative of their lives. And uh, it always provides so much hope for me that nothing is, is wasted. It is. It's so beautiful. Nothing is wasted. Yeah. 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 The I way know. that God the way that God puts them together is just <laughs> remarkable. Absolutely. It is hopeful. That's right. Very hopeful. Well, if you haven't been kind of tracking over the past several Mondays, uh, you know, this is odd that we're releasing this on a Monday. We do this often if we end up going into two parts. But the last several Mondays, in fact, the last five Mondays before this, we've been releasing a conversation that I had with Lamoris Crawford, on all of our uh, on our other platforms on IGTV, Facebook, and um, that that conversation we actually filmed. And so, if you haven't gone back and watched that conversation, you absolutely need to. And we wanted to make sure that you knew that this conversation is not something we want to do as just a a one and done. We don't want to talk right. about the racial uh, issues that are taking place in our country, and we don't want to talk about racial reconciliation just in this you know flash in the pan, and then we're yeah we're moving on because this is a serious issue that right now has the potential to divide our country, but we think it could if we mm -hmm. approach it the right way. If we as Jesus people, as the church, yep. lead the conversation, it could bring our nation together and we could yep. see some 
major revival happen. And so we're going to um, be continuing the conversation with other voices and other guests and releasing that on our normal Thursday podcast platform over the next couple of months. Aubrey, you might even do a couple of those interviews. I'm very so really excited, excited about that. About yeah, that. very excited your about that. Your church, you and your husband, the church that you guys pastor, mm-hmm. you guys are partnering with uh, another organization to do some, you know, um, to bring this conversation forward. Can you tell me about that a little bit? Yeah, I would love to. So we, uh, our church plant is Renewal Church. We're um, a multi-ethnic church. And so we're kind of situated in the middle of a lot of these conversations anyway, especially about healing racial trauma and about racial reconciliation. And um, to your point about revival, like we really believe that if true revival is going to happen, like we have to get on our knees and confess our sin. And of course, one of our national sins has been racism, period. We've dehumanized a people group. And so um, I think the Lord, I know the Lord wants to heal that and bring reconciliation and bring change for his glory and for his name. So um, we are partnering with uh, Nona Jones, who is sort of the fate, you know her? Yeah. Yeah, Well, we had Nona on the podcast. That's right. I didn't know that. Okay, cool. Nona, not Nora. Nona, not Nora. So uh, (laughs) Nona is a friend and she runs a lot of the faith initiatives for Facebook. And so she and some partners, church partners, are putting on what's called Faith and Prejudice. It's a live event on Facebook. And I think you could just go on faithandprejudice.com and watch all of them, even though the event will have already taken place. Um, But she's got, I mean, we're partnering with like Dr. Tony Evans and we're partnering with Latasha Morrison and these incredible speakers and theologians and thought leaders and social activists. Kind of what is God calling us to do? What can the church um, both in our heart change before the Lord, in a mindset change about systems, and then um, actually action? Like what is some godly action that we can do, especially as the white church, to begin to honor our black brothers and sisters and our brown brothers and sisters? And so, um, yeah, we're very excited to be partnering with them as a church and uh, just seeing what the Lord's going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that this conversation is at the forefront of a lot of uh, pastoral conversations right now because the Lord's going to use them. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, what's so interesting that you mentioned this, this idea of like juxtaposing heart change and societal change Mm -hmm. together because those are, those cannot be um, divorced. Right. And, and I was, I was reading uh, Henry Nowen's, book, The Wounded Healer. Oh, and it's a such quote, a good book. A quote jumped out at me where he, it was in the middle of this long sentence that he wrote just in Henry Nowen style, right? These like right. really long, deep statements he's making. But one of the things he said was changing the human heart and changing human society are not separate tasks. Mm, and I wow. think so many times in this conversation, we tend to say, okay, let's talk about changing society and what God's calling us to. And I want us to the church, we need to wake up to this, that God's calling us to heart change That's and right. leading the conversation in heart change. And then that's going to bring about societal change, but you cannot divorce the two. One yeah, brings about the right. other, the other brings about the one. It, it has to be uh, 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 in tandem. And so that's why I love what you guys are doing with this. And that's what we're going to continue to try to do with this, the, the racial reconciliation conversations as we release those out. So stay tuned for those. Very excited about those. We, uh, we'd love to dive into this conversation that we had with Steve and Aaron, but want to make sure that if you're listening to this and you have not listened to the first part of this conversation, you're not going to understand where we are mm. in the storyline. So make sure you go back, listen to part one. We released it yeah. last Thursday. You get a bulk of Aaron's 
story within that. Both of them were there talking with us uh, in the conversation, but Aaron kind of dominates the conversation. And this is more of Steve's story. Uh, And then you're going to get to see the threads of how God brought them together. It's really cool. So good. Well, let's go ahead and listen to part two of the interview with Steve and Aaron. And just a reminder, listener, that this is a powerful, heavy story, but we're going to see God's goodness in it as well. Steve, I'm not sure exactly when in the time frame of all this stuff, but you also experienced uh, some tragedy yourself. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about that a little bit and kind of help us understand where it is in the timeline of sure between the two of you guys. Yeah, so um, that happened to Aaron in 2015. Um, I grew up about 15 minutes from Aaron, but I didn't know her or anything. I'm one of six kids and I grew up in a really um, great home. Uh, parents were believers, loving family, didn't have a lot of money, but, um, it was, it was, a I can't say enough about that, you know, the upbringing I had. And, but I think like a lot of kids, I, uh, by the time I hit teenage years, I just I never took my faith very seriously, never really, um, maybe totally understood it and just walked away from God and mm-hmm. got into some stuff, um, alcohol, drugs, trouble with the law, stuff like that. Um, being popular, being liked was the most important mm-hmm. thing to me. And, um, it was, it was kind of like my identity was this whole thing of, um, party lifestyle, stuff like yeah. that. And, um, my senior year in, in high school, I ended up sitting next to this girl named Wendy in one of my classes. And we just happened to sit by each other because of alphabetical order. Yeah. So we just happened to be by each other. Right. And, um, became friends that year and, my second semester, senior year, she was a year younger than me. Uh, we started dating and um, only dated about six months or so before I went off to college, um, two hours away at Madison. And then she had to finish high school. And then she ended up um, going to school to be a nurse mm-hmm. uh, back home. So basically five years you know, of a long distance relationship mm-hmm. that only had six months in high school to start. And uh, I, to this day, when I look at it, it's, it's God's grace mm-hmm. that got us through that. Cause I, I was my behavior then and the thing, the way I treated her at times, especially when I was drinking was, I mean, it's shameful mm-hmm. to think of. I was, I was not good to her like that. I wasn't, um, respectful to her, uh, like she deserved to be treated. And, uh, it was, it was really, it's hard, you know, when I think about those days now and I think, through those times, um, especially when I first started with that type of relation or that type of behavior, it was fun. Mm-hmm. And um, I think as it went on, it became, I think God kind of allowed me to feel some consequences mm-hmm. from that. And I mean, whether it started to affect not only my relationship with her, but school, it was affecting, um, you know, I'd get in trouble with the law. It was affecting um, my physical health. I had actually a couple, uh, series of physical injuries related to mm-hmm. drinking and, you know, drink so much you black out and, and you wake up and, you know, I have a, a big scar on my hand. Um, the last injury I had was, was so bad. Uh, I had to have emergency surgery, wow. um, basically impaled on a fence oh um, my gosh. when I was drunk. And, um, but it, it caused you to, it caused me to 
you know, step back and look at like, what am I doing? Yeah. And it's like, you know, something needs to change, but you don't, I don't know what it looks like. Mm. And this is kind of who, what I am and I enjoy it. It's still mm. fun, but it's like, it's just so bad. And here's Wendy, um, staying with me through that. I remember her driving to the hospital that night. I, I called her. I'm like, you know, I was you know, kind of embarrassed, but I called her and said, Hey, I, you know, I did something stupid drinking and I got to have surgery. And she drove to the hospital and I mean, it's not like she never got mad at me, but she was always, always there. Yeah. It's just like unconditional love that she, she had for me and I never understood it. And she was always this kind of like part of my life that I knew I'm like, this is, this is all screwed up over mm -hmm. here. But I know, I know this girl, this was a good decision I made. And, mm -hmm. and it's like, I almost took her for granted that she'd always be there. And, um, so I, this was my senior year of college and I was just kind of at this crossroads in life and I'm like, I can't keep on living this way. And, um, I actually started reading the Bible that my, my parents had given me a Bible before I went to college and I never looked at it <laughs> one time, but I actually like, you know, I'm just going to check this out and, um, it's real secretive, you know, just kind of in my room reading the Bible and man, it, it, it just cut right to the heart i start mm. reading this stuff and like there's there's verses i'd read and like my heart would just pound like i was like this there's something to this wow. book and um you start reading about jesus and the way it revealed who he was compared mm. to this what i thought he was when i was mm. little i you know i don't know what idea i had of him but he was so real yeah and so human but more like yeah. you know he's he's healing people he's he's talking like he's god and then it says he dies and comes back to life. I'm like, this This sounds like this really happened. This mm -hmm. is written like in a way that's like, these people are just talking about what they saw. Mm -hmm. And it was, it just, it really hit me hard. And I, but I didn't know what to do with it all. It's like, I, I feel like I need to make a change, but I don't know uh, what to do. And I, I don't know, I had a lot of questions about what I was reading. And um, that all came to a head my, my senior year of college in the spring. I was about to graduate. And, um, I was home um, visiting Wendy and I couldn't sleep at all. Like I was really hungover and um, couldn't sleep. And I had, I went out for a drive. She was working that night. She was a nurse, so she was working. And I, I went out for a drive in my car by myself and I had a, a pretty powerful experience with God mm. by myself. And it it's kind of hard to describe, but he basically God revealed himself to me in a way that I knew he was real. Mm. It was like, he's, he's real. I know he's real. And, uh, it was one of those moments like where I felt like God's saying, are you going to, are you going to yeah. follow me or are you going to keep living your life? And this, this path leads to death. Mm. And uh, I gave my life to Jesus that night. That was, um, March 1st, 2003 at the age of 22. Mm. And I remember calling Wendy and telling her that, and she, she just, could not believe it. She's like, sh just shocked. Like, yeah. what? Like my whole, my family too. It was just, it was just out of nowhere. It, it was like, how, where did this come from? You know? And, and it was, it was, it was kind of shocked me too. Like I, I, I'm a, I'm a Christian now. And I didn't know exactly what it all meant. And I, I knew, you know, some, I needed to start working on some things and, um, but it really opened my eyes, um, to who, what Wendy was to me. And two weeks later, um, I proposed to her mm. and uh, we got married a year later and I uh, just started to build a life together. 
and uh, came into that marriage with with a lot of baggage, mm. m- mostly from me, from our past, and uh, worked on that. And I every every year I feel like we made progress. I I I say both Aaron and I had marriages that we can say we were proud of. Mm. Um, not perfect, of course, by any means, but something that you know we worked on and um, put in efforts and, and tried to. Um, you know, be self self sacrificial to each other, and yeah. and uh, it was so over. Both of us were married for thirteen years. Um, over those years, we had uh, four kids mm. together, four boys, and um, we're just kind of entering a new season of life. It felt like because we're you know done having kids, mm-hmm. moved to a new house, and uh, just felt like okay, here's here's part two of our marriage. You know, and right. things were good. Things were were going well, and. This is uh, March 2017, so, and I remember, um, I remember our last date together, just talking about. Um, she actually surprised me with. Uh, I think she was trying to be funny. She she had a surprise uh, trip to my first pedicure, <laughs> so that was that was our our last date together, and she, we got a good laugh out of that. But I just remember talking to her that night, and just this sense of kind of optimism about. Yeah. You know, what does it look like when the kids move out and some things we wanted to do? And, you know, it's like, okay, we made it this far in 13 years or, yeah. you know, how long we've, we've known each other for 20. Right. But uh, it's like, we made it this far. What does this look like in 10 years? What does this look like in 20 years? And uh, just, I remember having just a really good night with her and uh, uh, five days later she was gone. And it was, we had no idea um, anything was wrong with her. It was be March, March 16th, uh, 2017. I remember the day we were, uh, she was, I mean, really healthy, really good. She was 36, uh, really good shape. She ate very well. Um, she kind of made, made me feel bad cause she, she was so healthy with how she ate cause she, she did have uh, Crohn's disease. Mm. So that effect, that was one way right. she could kind of combat that yeah. is with her diet. And she, she had a really good diet. She was exercised a lot. She, you know, looked healthy and everything. And she had no idea there was anything wrong. And I remember that day going to my parents' house. Uh, my mom would cook a meal once a week and it'd be a chance just to hang out with them. And I remember being over there and uh, she had been having some heart palpitations um, like skipped beats or um, double beats. And that's something that she'd actually had before. I remember her talking about it maybe five years before that. It wasn't, I mean, she had had it checked out and um, she had a family history with that. And the doctors just said, hey, that's, you know, it's called PVCs, mm-hmm. preventricular contractions. It's pretty normal, pretty benign. Just try to deal with it. And, you know, there's certain things that can help trigger it, caffeine and stuff, try to avoid that. But nothing alarming or anything and but I remember that day she said you know I've, I've been feeling those again and she hadn't talked about that for a long time so it was something we talked about for five ten minutes you know like okay you know and um she actually went to get a heart monitor put on just to monitor that again but other than that it was you know we had fun at my my parents house and my brothers were there we kind of had fun that night and I remember we left about nine o'clock and got home at around ten, and put the kids, uh, put the kids to bed 
we probably, um, I think we got, we got home around nine and had the kids in bed and probably were in bed by 10 o'clock. And I think we talked, we talked a little bit about a sleepover that my oldest son was thinking about going to. And usually she falls asleep first, you know, but that night I I think I fell asleep probably about 1030 because I remember looking over at her and she was texting on her phone Mm -hmm. and there's a text she sent to my sister from like a 1035 or something. Mm-hmm. So that, that was the last I remember seeing her. So I fell asleep. And uh, the next thing I remember is coming out of sleep. And I looked over at her. I, I don't know why I woke up. I just kind of came out of sleep. It was around 1130 and I looked over at her. And uh, she looked like she's sleeping and just kind of peaceful sleeping. And But when I heard her take a breath, it sounded more like a gasp than a breath. So it wasn't, and it wasn't to the point where I was even alarmed or anything, just it was one of those, like, that didn't sound right, you know? And so I'm like, well, I'll just wake her up. Maybe she's laying funny or, you know, maybe she's got something caught in her throat. I don't know. So I, I wasn't, you know, panicked or anything, but I was, I'm like, I'm going to wake her up. And so I just kind of shook her a little bit and said, hey, when, wake up, wake up. And nothing, no response. And I was, you know, shaking her harder and getting louder and, um, just nothing at mm. all. And every once in a while she would take a, a like a gasp of breath, mm. but she wasn't, she would not open her eyes. And, um, I started yelling her name and really shaking her and just trying to get her to wake up. And, and I, and just the, the fear just, I yeah. can feel it just washing over me. I know it's really bad. Something's very wrong and she needs help. And, uh, I called 911 and I started CPR on her and, uh, the, EMTs arrived and um, put a defibrillator on her and they shocked her and nothing happened and they're doing CPR on her then and I kind of, I'm just losing it. I'm kind of hysterical and uh, I started calling my, um, my parents and then her parents are in, actually were in Arizona at the time on a trip. I called them and this is in the middle of the night and I called my sister and people start showing up at the house and and they took her um, in an ambulance to the hospital. And sometime, either in the ambulance or at the hospital, they, they were able to restart her heart, which we, we thought was a miracle because her, her heart yeah. hadn't beat on its own for a long time. And it was just everyone doing CPR to keep her going. And, and we thought that was, that, that was a, a small amount of hope yeah. that we had that her heart, they told us, you know, her heart was started. She wasn't breathing, never regained consciousness, but her heart was beating. And, um, we were all there at the hospital through the night. And, um, every once in a while her heart would stop and then they would have to restart it. They had, you know, different ways to do that there, you know, defibrillators and they had a chest compression machine that could do that. And, um, so it would stop and they would restart it and, that went on and her blood pressure was almost non-existent, but her heart was beating. And, um, I remember the, the ER doctor coming in and telling, they kept moving her around and doing all these tests cause they're, they're trying to figure out what, what happened, you know, yeah. this 36 year old healthy woman. And, uh, I remember the ER doctor coming in at one point and saying, um, if, if her heart stops again, we don't recommend resuscitation. And that, that's, I think, when it hit me that she she was not coming home. And uh, 
not too long after that, uh, her heart stopped. And um, I said, we said, um, do you need to resuscitate? Because when we just, me and my dad, I remember we just prayed as hard as we could. And um, she didn't, they, they couldn't restart at that time. So um, that was March 17th, 2017. And um, she's gone. Yeah. You know, uh, in in that moment, S- Steve, when kind of the first news or the first set-in of reality mm-hmm. right there happens, where where was your mind going? Where was your where was your heart at? Is you know, there's there's that always questioning is this really happening you know that level and um but in the back of my mind I I knew I I I had to go home and tell my kids and I was really Mm. fearful for them about that and just like by God's grace when all that was happening at our house that night they didn't wake up and I that I think that's that's just God's grace they weren't awake they didn't even then their bedrooms are right there wow. and they didn't wake up. So there were people at the house with them, you know, they got up to go to school and we were gone. And so I had to come home and, and tell them. And I was, I knew that, you know, this, I can't even imagine what that is like to hear as a kid, you yeah. know, everything's bigger as a kid, you know, you go sliding at a hill when right. you're a kid and you see it as an adult and it's, you know, and right. this is like overwhelming to me. I can't even, understand what just happened and then to tell them you know yeah mom's not coming home and she's with jesus now and it was it was hard i remember just seeing that hit them and um mm. yeah that was the hardest thing wow you're at the time of this recording you know you're coming up on three years mm-hmm. yeah very um, soon yeah and can you kind of talk to me a little bit about the first couple of weeks and months of yeah. that grief process for you. Yeah, it's it's a I mean, without saying it, I mean it's as you know, it's just it's dark. It's yeah. in in your brain, I think for me my brain just struggled to to um come to re- come to the realization mm-hmm. that it is true. So literally every day I would wake up, it would it would hit fresh, yeah. you know, just that this really happened. This yeah. is this is real. You kind of like reach over. Yeah. Or you yeah. expect to wake up and it was all a dream and you reach over on that side of the bed. And she's empty. gone. Yeah. And it just, and it hits and it hits. Mm. And, um, and it's, I, I really struggled with sleep and, um, just kind of, um, numb a bit yeah. sometimes, but just this constant, you know, grief that you're dealing with in your chest and just worried so much about the kids and um, I remember taking taking all their mattresses and just dragging them all into my room, and mm. we'd all just hang out in there because I didn't want them to be alone. Yeah. And you know, we just they'd ask, and I tried to, like Aaron said, I tried to keep it as open as possible. Like let's let's talk about this, yeah. and what questions do you have? And um, you know, any no question is <laughs> off right. limits. You know, and I was just so concerned for them, but I, you know. At the time, it's like God. Why? Why would you? And even that, it, this this sentiment is something they even expressed to me is like God could have stopped this, mm-hmm. right? And He yeah. didn't. And mm-hmm. that was, I'm like, I don't understand that, guys. Yeah. But 
I mean, that's something, ask them and wrestle with that. And um, sometimes we just don't, we don't know. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I think the kids actually, when, you know, when I look back on that, like that, that was huge for me to have something to just keep me moving. Right. And I knew, you know, they're going to wake up tomorrow and they got, you know, I want to, um, be there for them. And that was a real, you know, I needed them, I think more yeah. than, more than they needed me. And it was, it was really like Aaron said, uh, the people that come around you, uh, I had so much, so many people come around us from our church and from the community, people I didn't know, uh, just reaching out and, um, doing anything they can, um, you know, meal trains and taking care of stuff and, it was it was really amazing to see that part of it, and, mm. um, but you're just you're just kind of left. There's that sense of no matter what, who you know who is there and who reaches out. It's just this sense of when you lose a spouse. It's just this sense of loneliness. Like yeah. you're this is you're in this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you're a single you're, parent. You're, yeah, you're a single parent of four. Yes. Yeah. kids and trying to figure that out. I think what I'm hearing both of you guys articulate is this idea of it's moment by moment. Yes. It's day by day. Yeah. It's, you know, you might begin to feel some momentum of moving through it, but it's really just like wake up every day and, and you kind of survive it and you be, you're grateful for the fact that you woke up that day. And yeah. when you lay your head down, you're grateful for the fact that God got you through that yeah, day. You got through it. And, and you think um, too far ahead and it's just too much. It's you know? way it's too like, much. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do next week. I think everything is just intense. Like yeah. everything you do, like even like taking a shower, it's like, yeah. I mean, I guess for me it was a little different in a sense where I couldn't even shower without without help for a while. But I just remember like everything felt like big. Just yeah, doing hurdle. the next right. thing, doing right. the next thing. And, and you know... Steve could probably say the same, just like with having like my parents and your sister and family just yeah. come and take the kids to do mm-hmm. things because like you're just, you know, you're just energy. You have yeah. nothing. You have yeah. nothing to give sometimes and mm-hmm. um, just wow. surviving. Yeah. Yeah. I felt, I mean, kind of in, in, and all of a sudden you're having all these conversations with people, like people who knew Wendy her friends, her family, mm-hmm. you're having all these, all of a sudden, very deep, very heavy conversations about life and death yeah. and heaven and what, and what happened. And there was a lot of like, what happened to her? Yeah. Like she was, she was fine. Like, so, and I, we didn't know cause the autopsy didn't come back for mm-hmm. five months. And, um, it actually ended up that she had a disease called sarcoidosis mm-hmm. and it got into her heart and shorted her heart out. So wow. she basically just passed out. I don't think it was painful. I think she was sleeping and then just lost consciousness. Wow. And uh, but we didn't know. Nobody yeah. knew. So I like me. It was very heavy on my heart. I just kept feeling God saying, "Tell her story. Tell mm-hmm. her story." And it was just it was something heavy on me. And so I I'm like I need to tell people you know who she was, um, what happened because mm-hmm. I had to keep telling people and. But not only that, but here's what she believed. Like yeah. here's what she staked her life on, because her her faith story to me was was very. When I look back at it, like she, I think she would call herself a Christian her whole life, but she came to a place where like she kind of was at a crossroads of mm. faith with stuff she went through with infertility, and to the point where like, does this God really love me? Like how mm. is this happening to me? 
And her faith, I think, just in the last years before she died, I mean, she got baptized a year and a half before she passed away. Wow. It, her faith came to the strongest place it's ever been before that. And I wanted to help people see that story and see who she was, because she was one of those, like, she was my person, of course, yeah. me and my wife, but us, for so many of her friends and her, I think her family, her sisters, they were like, she was a person. She yeah. was the one they went to for advice. She was, she had wisdom. She had this kindness and everyone's like, why, why her? How could mm. this happen to her? So I wanted to write out her story. So I wrote like a blog, it got really long, but just this whole kind of a long story, Her mostly her faith story, right. what happened that night and... um but I didn't, I didn't really have social media or anything. And she had a, a Facebook page that sh- she had closed down, but I um, reactivated it and posted it mm-hmm. on her Facebook page just and so people could kind of see that. And that was, that was one of the ways that uh, Aaron had heard about my story mm-hmm. is people would share that with her. Right, right. So, wow. but that was, I mean, for me, like, helpful to just like yeah. put my efforts and and just like yeah. focus on that like i just felt like god's like right now you need to take care of your kids mm-hmm. and tell tell wendy's story tell your wife's story and let these people know because she's a private person yeah and so wow This interview, like most on our podcast, is filled with pain that eventually led to purpose, but only after intentional recovery. Oftentimes we mention counseling as a resource that we recommend to use as a part of any recovery process. I can't even begin to tell you how valuable Christian counseling has been for me as I learned to navigate the loss of my late wife, Amanda. And since then, it has proved just as beneficial for Christy and I as we're learning to create healthy and healing rhythms for our life. Christy and I have decided in the wake of COVID-19 to try another type of counseling that doesn't involve in-person meetings. So we have partnered with an incredible online worldwide organization who is sponsoring this podcast, Faithful Counseling. They provide virtual counseling with licensed therapists who are certified by their state's boards to provide therapy and counseling. Faithful Counseling is designed as a solution for people seeking traditional mental health counseling who would prefer hearing from the perspective of a Christian. If you are seeking a mental health professional who is a practicing believer, faithful counseling may be a great option for you. Once you are matched with a counselor, in 24 hours or less, you can connect with them anytime via your computer, tablet, or mobile device, through video calls, phone calls, or even text messaging. They also have weekly group in our sessions where members can learn in a group environment with a counselor about various topics that we all face. Just to clarify, Faithful Counseling is not a crisis line, but it can be an incredible resource during your healing journey. Faithful Counseling costs $65 per week, and financial aid is available to those who qualify. You can apply for that aid during the sign-up process. To learn more, go to faithfulcounseling.com slash nothingiswasted. If you sign up through that link only, you will receive 10% off of your first month of counseling for being a part of the Nothing Is Wasted family. Again, that's faithfulcounseling.com slash nothing is wasted. And now back to our interview. Well, when was it for you guys that, you know, you're, I mean, you're sitting here today now, uh, you have, um, I'm sure this, 
this really cool story of how you guys met and what God was doing in a relationship between two of you. But either one of you guys offer, when was it that you began to feel hopeful again? When did you guys begin to feel like, wait, I've got a, there's a future still in this. I mean, I think for me, I remember kind of the, one of the first feelings of hope I had was uh, the first time Aaron reached out to me is it was, you know, like early on those first couple of weeks and months, like there's, there's a ton of people just right. you car, every, every day you open the mailbox and there's a stack of cards right. and there's texts from people and all this encouragement and people around you. And, you know, that naturally kind of fades mm-hmm. and that's not, I mean, that's just how it is. Yep. And you're, you're kind of left there like, okay, now <laughs> yep. what happens here? And, um, I remember it was like a, it was a Saturday and I was just out in the yard just kind of um, working on my grass. That was one thing that was like peaceful for me. Still is, still like to do that. <laughs> but uh, just kind of just sitting there and um, I got a text on my phone and it, it just said, hey, Steve, this is uh, Aaron Stoffel. You don't know me, but um, I just want you to know I'm praying for you and um, keep leaning on Jesus. Mm. There's hope in Jesus. And it was real simple. It was That was about it. And when I saw her name, I, I instantly knew who it was. Mm. Like I, I knew her story when, when that happened. I mean, we, we had prayed for her family. I never met her, but um, I just remember seeing that and just that was a, a, a real feeling of hope that I had in that moment because yeah. not, not just from what the message said, but because it's like I knew what she went through mm. and here she is like reaching out, trying mm. to help somebody and in a place where she feels like she can help someone else. Yeah. You know, it's like, man, if, if God can take her through that and to a place where she can reach out and try to help somebody, like there's hope for me that I can get through this. That's great. Wow. Aaron, for you, when, when did the hope kind of start to set in for you? You know, with almost losing my life, like knowing that every single day that I shouldn't, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't Mm. be here. No, I've, cut so close like I it it gave me a realization like this life is such a gift like I shouldn't be here um and it it gave me a purpose of of living of you know God you had me still here for a reason Mm -hmm. you kept me alive for a reason and just keeping that focus of all right I don't know what this I don't know what to make of this I don't know what this my life is going to look like now but um you know, I just, I guess, trusting him every day with it and, and, and just knowing, you know, like, you know, and after you go through something like that and you're reading the Bible and the words are just pop out at you. I yeah. mean, everything is just, you know, and I just remember like re- sitting in my parents' room and I was sitting on their bed and I was just reading and I'm just like, everything was just, everything I read in the Bible is just such more mm. amazing. Right, and, right. Um, and just in that hope of just that alone, I think was just like giving me hope. But um, I just knew he had he had something big mm. in my life, and I didn't know I didn't know what it was. I didn't look like I didn't think I was like anything special or anything like that. But I just knew that he kept me here. Yeah, he kept me For here. A reason, and, yeah. yeah, and that kept almost dying, kept me living. Yeah. You know? Wow. Wow. That's profound. That's very. Yeah. Um. So. You know, we've talked a lot about kind of the, the dark, deep, 
grief and pain that you guys have experienced, but and God has begun to write a, a really cool story of, um, I hesitate to say redemption because redemption, we, we try to tell people redemption doesn't happen when like, you know, you, you are given back what you lost, so to mm-hmm. speak. Yeah. It happens when, when w- what you guys just articulated occurs in your life. When you feel like, you know what, I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to help somebody else. That's redemption, you know, but it is cool that the icing on the cake is that God does restore and he brings healing and love and um, connection uh, back in some of those, those places. Can, can you guys just tell us a little bit before we have to, you know, close down the conversation, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about how, you know, you guys met and how did this happen? Well, you know, like you said, like Steve, I, I was actually out, I think I was just right, right after I went to go back to the, the college I went to, I took my kids, somebody gave us tickets to go anywhere we wanted, and I chose to go back to visit the college that um, John and I went to, the Bible college, and I think it was right, I went right after, and I I remember seeing, it was actually on Facebook, like seeing posts Mm -hmm. of pray for, you know, the Ulmer family, and and I didn't know who they were, but I just would see, because we had mutual friends and seeing that... um, but it was just, you know, I just, I remember reading that. But then people kept sharing his story with me. And, you know, when, you know, when you go right. through something like people do that, they just, yep this person or this person, reach out to this person. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it was different with Steve in a way where I feel like people are very intentional with, or not just people, but like just in ways that he would come up in, in different situations or yeah. conversations or, um, after a while and I had a, a friend that actually sat down with me and she told me everything about him and, and it was just, you know, like people just knew like I, what I went through. So right. that I could be helpful to him, but I was, I'm just not the, I would say I'm not the type that like, I wanted to give, you know, like I didn't know him, want to give him space and, um, just, I didn't feel like the timing was good for yeah. me to, mm-hmm. to jump into his life yet. Um, so I waited, but he, was just different than a lot of people that were put in, put in my life mm. um, or that I heard of. Like God just put him on my heart really deeply. Whereas mm. like for a while there, I was like every day I was just praying for him and thinking of him and like, oh, you know, like I, I get what he's going through. And yeah. um, I don't know. So I just waited and waited and waited before I messaged him, like he said. And then one day I'm just like, you know, I'm just, and I and I knew I wanted to keep it simple. I was not expecting to hear back from mm. honestly. Like, um, I'm like I'm sure he's getting bombarded by messages and people, yeah. and I'll just be another message out there. Um, but I'm like I'm just gonna do it anyway. So I did. I just kept it simple and just said, "Hey, I'm, you know, I know what you're going through, and you know, just yeah." I don't remember what it all said, but you know, <laughs> keep you know, there's there's a light at the end of this and. Um, he ended up messaging me back right away and um, we just became, you know, when you go through, right. you talk about the deep things right away and, you know, I wasn't, you know, we just became really close friends yeah. really fast yeah. and, um, yeah. That's yeah, so cool. I mean, we'd, we'd text back and right. forth. I'd ask a ton of questions yeah. and Very just open. asking for perspective mm. on grief and um, we didn't we didn't meet in person for... A, a few a while after that until it was a, a Christian music festival called Life Fest mm. we happened to 
run into each other. We knew each other would be there, but it was one of those like, Aaron, yeah. you know, like it was the first yeah, time we, we ever met. We didn't and, try to meet or anything. It well, just happened. No. Yeah. And I just remember like we just walk there and talk and mm. um, just share, sharing about, you know, what it's like to go through this. And I think for me, it always it had this feeling, you know, at least for a while as our friendship's building that I was kind of like, not like Aaron's like a project for her. Like she's mm. helping me, you know, I'm like, and I was trying to convey this to her one day and like, you know, it's, it's really, I really appreciate all the way, you know, how you help me and stuff. And she's, I remember her saying, you helped me too, Steve. Mm. And I just kind of changed how I viewed it as like, you know, maybe this is God um, using each other yeah. to help each other, you yeah, know, like a, right. this is a mutual thing. Yeah. Just kind of changed how I looked at that and mm. it just developed from there. Yeah. What you're saying is you wanted to say, thanks for how you're helping me, but I really like you. <laughs> is this anything more than just you pouring into me right now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we definitely uh, had like so a cool. a bond, you know, through yeah. that. But I mean, I wasn't like looking for, a, a, you know, I was, mm. that was like not my intentions nor his, you know, right. but through that deep friendship, you know, yeah. it, it did grow. But it was just, you know, I like... You know, I was praying actually, like, when do you used to call me, Steve? Like, a, how I'd pray, you'd be like, dangerous, dangerous prayer. Yeah, yeah. She'd, she'd pray against stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, well, like, if this isn't meant to be, God, yeah. show me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, as as feelings even came, I'm just yeah. like, you know, this was a, a very vulnerable right. time that he was at. And I wasn't trying to, you know, get his attention mm. in that way. But um, so, I mean, I... I learned to pray for specifics and I prayed mm. like for clarity and like, God, if, you know, whatever this is that you're doing, yeah. like make it clear. Cause I, I don't want to play with his heart. I right. don't want to like jump in even for my kids. Like I didn't want to date. I didn't want to yeah. do any of that. And, and God would just answer my prayers like almost immediately in, in just ways that I couldn't deny, mm. you know, that what he was doing right. through this and, right. um, so I just kept giving it back to him, like, all right, God, you know, this is <laughs> this is all on you. And, you know, if I don't want to get in the way of anything, I don't want to, like, come across in yeah. the wrong way. I don't want to play with his heart. You know, I don't want to do any of that. And um, But God is, you know, he did yeah. a work. Mm. I, I think as, it, as we could feel it progressing beyond friendship, it's, you know, we invite people into that circle and ask people we trust yeah. for yeah. advice, like, hey, what right. do you think of this? And um, that's actually how I heard of you, Davey, mm-hmm. is um, my father-in-law, Wendy's dad, mm-hmm. um, when he, he could see that there was, you know, a relationship yeah. there developing and he talked with me and he just says, hey, I, I found, you know, every, all of us that were around Wendy were, you know, reading books about grief right. and right. and he found your, your blog and he says, um, Davey's, uh, father-in-law, a mm-hmm. man's dad, talked to you. He said, you know, when you're looking at a relationship after losing a spouse, you know, take it slow. But when you know, yeah. then go fast yep. and I'll be there with you. And yep. he said to me, he said, that's my advice to you, Steve. Wow. He goes, I'll be with you through this. Mm-hmm. And they have, I mean, they're they're amazing. They're watching wow. our kids right now. We're, so cool. we're still very close to yep. them. Um, they That was one way that I could see that like one way God was preparing yeah. everything around my family for this because they, they had just moved. They lived in Kentucky, which is why yeah. we used to drive through here in Indianapolis, but they had just moved 
like two blocks away yeah. from us mm-hmm. just in months before Wendy passed. Wow. And they were like a huge, and still are just a huge help for me and yeah. helped in taking care of the kids. And Aaron's developed just a, a really good relationship so with cool. them. And I mean, it's... That's, that's very unique. Yeah. You know, many times we have conversations with people in situations like ours where they're blending families and there's oftentimes uh, a, a major tension with the in-laws because... Yeah. There's grief involved there. And that was um, like something definitely that was on my heart. Like even with yeah. with I mean, Steve's with Wendy's family, with John's family, like you know, we were both being trying to be very careful, you know, with it's it's different, it's change, yeah. it's you know, there's fears involved and right. all that and just being trying to be really just have a lot of grace yeah. for them and um but it's like, you know, like when you, when God puts something so clear on your heart and you don't even understand like mm-hmm. what's happening at yeah. the time, you're like, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know like what this is going to look like, but I know it's from you, God. Yeah, and I right. knew that God putting Steve and these boys into my life, I knew that was from him. <laughs> and I had no doubt so much that um, I just trusted him with the whole situation and yeah. You know, I just, yeah, we've, you know, Wendy's parents have, are wonderful and so cool. um, John's family loves Steve and, you know, wow. it's, you know, and it wasn't, you know, by any mean easy, like easy to oh, go yeah. through, it's you not, know. Yeah. You know, it but, takes hard work yeah. to be at that place. Patience and I think that's why and a grace. Lot, yeah, a lot of yeah. grace, filling in the gaps yeah. with grace. Yeah. I think that's why a lot of families, um, they, they don't, they don't arrive at that point mm-hmm. because it, it is a lot of work. Yeah. It's hard. It takes a lot of intentionality. But if there's anything that that I know it's on, it would be part of your heart too, but anything we could communicate to people who are listening right now mm-hmm. is if you're in that space and if you are one, you find yourself where you're kind of an in-law who is wrestling with the loss of a of a child or an adult child, right? But you're receiving this other remarriage situation into, you know... Um, there's beautiful things that can come out of this. That mm-hmm. God has in mind your grief as well. He has in mind your story as well, even in the midst of losing your adult child. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my my advice, I know you guys would say the same thing because you're experiencing some beauty out of, out of that, is to to embrace that and learn to adopt and love, you know, the the other person. Mm-hmm. Um as much as, as he or she was your own. And it's really neat too, like just to see how his, how even like Wendy's family, like like Ezra and Sayla, I mean, they love, yeah, you know, Chris and Terry, they love them. Wow. Um, yeah. And John's and mom has taken John's my, mom, yes. our kids in as, as her own. Yeah. Um, there's, it's really neat to see that. Yeah, the families have really... And that's that was major confirmation for me too that God is in this. Just seeing the kids, yeah, how they reacted yeah. with yeah. each other and the healing that they had, <laughs> and yeah. how they related to Aaron and and all that. Like that's if cool. if any of that was toxic or not working, it's mm-hmm. like that's a red flag. And there was none of that. Wow. And that's, to mm-hmm. see your kids, you know, when you're so worried about them, yeah. how are they gonna get through this? To see healing going on to have peers, you know, yeah. their own age that have been through it and they can talk with each other and be sad with each other. And yeah. That's huge. Man, praise the Lord. That's awesome. Well, guys, I feel like we could talk for, you know, hours more. And, you know, even as I'm talking, I'd at some point love to have you guys 
back for other things that we do just to talk about some of this stuff that you're learning about blending families and all of that stuff. And so maybe we'll be able to have a conversation later on about some of that as God's (laughs) teaching you some things and uh, that we can, you know, impart to our listeners. But but before we sign off, is there any, anything that you would want to make sure that the people who are listening to this know, you know, anything that you would want to encourage them with? There's, there's a purpose Mm. in, in the pain that we go through and there's, you never think that, um, you know, following Jesus means that you're not going to go through mm-hmm. something. And a lot of times it can make life more difficult. But the promise, God never promised that we he'd protect us from mm-hmm. everything. But he promised he, he will be with you through anything we face. Yeah. And, um, and if you're like, I mean, if you're in that, if you're going through that right now, maybe you lost someone you know tragically or or i mean who knows it could be yeah. anything um and you're in those moments right now of just deep sorrow or grief or depression or you know that you know he's he's already there he's already yeah. gone before you and i remember that there's many days where i'm like i am just barely holding my head up mm. above water today like i am just swimming and swimming and swimming trying, you know, just to, you know, breathe. Yeah. Um, and I think back on those days and, you know, you you just wish, like, just want to get through this. Like, mm-hmm. I just wish it would be mm-hmm. six months from now, like, that I wouldn't right. be in this. But when I think back of those days that were so hard, you know, those are some of those closest moments where I just, all I could do was just cry out. Yeah. to God and I didn't have the right words I didn't have but I just cried out to him and I just I'm just look back and I think of how far he's he's taken me and mm. it's um and Steve and you and mm. um that you know there's there's always hope and even when you don't feel like he's there he's he is there yeah he is there and there's a lot of questions I think that we have that will not be answered on the side of yeah. heaven and yeah. just trusting him with those things. Like, yeah. right. He's, wow. he's got you. Well, you see that picture frame right up there. Oh, <laughs> just keep in the, in the, in the words of the famous philosopher, Dory, just keep <laughs> swimming. This, you know, when right after Amanda passed away and I was a single dad now with Weston and my wonderful parenting skills every morning, I would <laughs> get him up and feed him breakfast while he was watching Finding Nemo. I had no idea the plot line of Finding Nemo <laughs> was like, you know, Nemo losing his mom. I had no idea, you know, until several days into it. Um, I'm making breakfast in the kitchen while he's, and I'm like hearing the plot play out and I'm like, wait a minute, what in the world? And, um, and so the thing that Weston and I used to just tell each other all the time is just keep swimming, keep swimming, just keep swimming. <laughs> so, you know, if you're listening to this and you're in a situation yeah. right now, you found yourself in the middle of a valley and you don't know how you're going to get out of it. Just, you know, take from Steve and Aaron, just this testimony, the fact that God is with you and he's going to empower you every step of the way to just keep swimming, to just keep moving mm-hmm. through this valley. And on, at some point you're going to see yourself coming up out of the valley. You won't even realize it. You'll look, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll kind of look over to the side and you'll realize, wait, I'm coming through this thing. And God is good. And you can see the ways he's been with you the yeah. whole way. Sometimes just yeah. looking back. Yeah. yeah. Guys, this has been awesome. Thank you so much Thank you. for taking the time and making the trip and yeah. sharing your story. And, um, 
Is there is there any way we can kind of our listeners can stay connected to you guys? You guys have like a blog or on social media? Steve has, or? A, Steve has a, a website. Yeah, yeah. It's just wasitgod.com. Wasitgod.com. So I put all of our stories yeah. on there. And then Wendy's um, stories also on wendyalmer.blogspot.com. So cool. Yeah. Well, we'll make sure we put that on the podcast page for this episode. But, man, guys, we're cheering you guys on as you're continuing to walk this journey out. And you're our heroes. We really appreciate it. Uh, you guys taking the time. Thanks for having us. Thank you. That was awesome. Awesome. What a great, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you as listeners stayed in on both of these parts because it, I mean, it just really shows you that God's, he's always working. He's always weaving yeah. those redemptive, redemptive stories. Yeah. Um, and we, we get to choose whether or not we want to align with the redemptive purposes he has in our life. And so it's, it's just so good. If, if this or any of the other episodes that we've had have, have ministered to you, um, we would love for you to go to re- iTunes and rate and review the, the podcast. This really one, it helps us. It helps us to kind of gain some exposure um, and more and more people can, can hear these stories, can be impacted by these stories. And so if you uh, would do us a favor and go and rate and review, but it also helps us, um, emotionally and spiritually just to, yeah. you know, we just love <laughs> hearing going. your feet. I mean, we love hearing your story and how this is yeah. impacting you. And sometimes I don't know if this is, you know, true Aubrey for you, but when it comes to like podcast ministry in this way, you know, when you're preaching, you could kind of look out and see the effects that what your right, words are right. having on a, an audience or a congregation. You can see them respond you know, we don't get that. And so this is the way that you can kind of give some feedback to us and say, Hey, love what you guys are doing. This has really impacted me. This has been touching and it just kind of keeps us, it spurs us on to keep going. So we appreciate yeah, that's right. You can also follow us on Instagram at nothing is wasted ministries at Davy Blackburn or at obsamp, A-U-B-S-A-M-P. And also a big thank you to Sleeping at Last for providing the music for us. They're so good. He's so good. Yeah, he is. And Aubrey, next week we have a conversation with Jill Monaco. And Love her. There's some conversations that you get into, and you know you don't know what to expect. I've never, I'd, I'd never really heard of Jill. As I started having the conversation with her, I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, like, she's you can, brilliant. Like our producer Taylor, Tommy, they're sitting in the room right now as we're talking about. You, they can attest to the fact that like all of a sudden I'm lighting up in this yeah. conversation. So it, it's really great. You're going to want to make sure that you catch that next week. But here's a little clip from my conversation with Jill Monaco. I grew up Catholic and uh, I had a great family. We were taught to love God. But in, in really what's known traditionally is don't sin. You know, and if mm. you do, I saw God as a disciplinary God. And and so my view of God really played into some of the events that happened throughout my life. But mm. the first major thing that um, God has had me work on the rest of my life is when I was just out of seventh grade, I was abused by a priest. Mm. And it was multiple times over the course of an entire summer. And then even into eighth grade, he came back and, you know, like rub my shoulders in front of the whole class and tried to see me again and things like that and reached out to me again in my 20s. So it kind of followed me. Um, But that event really made me feel um, 
like there was something wrong with me that I, I remember thinking I must have done something. I was too attractive that I made this man break his vows. And it, mm. there's so much we could talk about even in that and how a mind of a, a young woman or a child works. Um, but because of that event, um, there were I didn't tell anybody until I was in my 30s. 